0: Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare, a medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry and family medicine. He is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic diocese of orange ministry of healing and deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval.
1: Hello, VMPR family. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the clinic. Um, Today, I wanted to talk about a very important topic There's been a lot going on in society lately you know there's so much so many different things that i'm hearing about and in the clinic, um, one of the most important things that I'm hearing about and a lot of the things that my patients are coming to me about right now is really anxiety and So I thought it'd be a very, very good time to do a show where we address a few different topics, not just anxiety as we would talk about in the psychiatric clinic, but what does this really mean in our in our lives because I want to talk about a few things. Let's break it down into different areas. Because when I talk to my patients and they come and they say that they're anxious, or they say that they're experiencing anxiety, I like to clarify a little bit more, what does that mean? Because it means different things for different people. But why would it mean different things for different people? Isn't anxiety just anxiety? Well, not really. Let's break it down in this way. There's the normal stress that we talk about. We talk about stress. We talk about anxiety. We all experience what we call worry. This is very, very common. You know, we have worries in our lives. It's impossible to go through this world without having some kind of an anxiety or some kind of worry. That's one type of a sensation of anxiety, or that's one way where somebody would say that they're feeling anxious. The next type is when people come to the clinic and say, doc, I have these different types of anxieties, and we're going to talk a little bit about those in a bit. And these different types of anxieties, they're they're not going away, and I don't know what to make of them, um, but I feel like it's not letting me function in life, and I don't know exactly what to do about it. And at that point, we might talk about medication or different therapies or treatment, and we're gonna talk about some different modalities that we need to address. And then there's a third type, and this is the one that's a little bit more intense when people say, I'm afraid. So initially we said there's worries, there's just general stress, then there's anxiety that can get to be a clinical type of anxiety. And then lastly, a lot of people will feel, feel what they call fear or afraid. And when does that come on, come on and how is that different from the other ones? And we, it's very important to de- distinguish these things because currently there's so much going on in society, whether it be that people are afraid of uh, protesting or, or experiencing uh, what they call um, <clears throat> riots or anything that they really uh, feel is going to threaten them. There's also fears of getting sick and uh, of getting different illnesses or being vulnerable to illnesses, ending up in the hospital or different things of that nature, um, which can causes any of these, any of these uh, fears or anxieties. And it's very common to have actually all three. It's very easy to, to experience worry, clinical anxiety or anxieties that just aren't going away, and fear. These, it's very common to have a mix of that, so it, that's why it's also important to take a step back and distinguish, well, what, what are these things? What, what do they manifest as? And what should I be aware of? Very common for people to say, you know, I'm worried, or things of that nature, or I'm anxious. And really what it comes down to is a big question of, well, what's wrong with me, right? Sometimes people come and say, what's wrong with me? Why can't I think like this or act like this? And these are important things to, to talk about. If you've ever been feeling this way, the first thing I want to let you know is you're not alone. If we're gonna talk about anxiety, and let's just say clinical anxiety, let me get a few numbers here for you. Um, it's the most common mental illness in all of the United States. So it's very, very common to have clinical anxiety if that's what you're experiencing. Um, and it's usually about, according to uh, the website I looked at, which I like to look at different websites because sometimes they'll give us different numbers. But this website was called uh, the Association of America of Anxiety and Depression. And uh, the most updated numbers are that there's about 40 million adults in the United States with anxiety. That's about 18 percent of the adult population. So people 18 and, o- and older that have anxiety. The challenging part, and the reason it's important to talk about this, is sometimes we don't know what do I do about it because of that. Of that 40 million, only about 37 percent actually get treatment. And why is that? There could be a lot of different reasons. You know, there's a, there's a whole lot of r- different reasons. One already when we're anxious we might not want other people to know about it or we might not want to think about it um, or we just don't even know where to go or how to express ourselves and hopefully we can talk about different uh, modalities different ways of doing that and different ways to address this because right now it seems to just be very very prevalent you know it's very easy to really feel upset um, if we're watching the news if we're looking at what's going on but let's take a step back and let's talk about some of these basic ones first Let's address what I would like to call stress or worries or insecurities. This is natural. This is what happens to everybody, right? So anxiety is a normal human emotion and it's actually a healthy human emotion in the right settings. If somebody were to tell you that you were in a building or you were in danger and the building was on fire or something along those lines, I would hope that you would react with some level of anxiety, a productive anxiety, as we call it, and want to get out of the building or find a way to get to safety. That's actually very, very good. Those are the types of anxieties that we say it's a normal reaction to a stressful situation. That's, that's very appropriate. But you notice that once that situation passes, we give it a little bit of time and that anxiety goes down. So one of the ways that we know is this normal, is this not normal is we might have an initial anxiety, but then that anxiety starts to reduce. It starts to go down uh, after we're no longer in the, in the grips of danger or in that stressful situation so that's important to know anxiety is going to come and go and that's very normal now there are going to be certain triggers shall we say in society that will cause certain anxieties so there's going to be currently i have a lot of patients who are worried because they're losing their jobs they don't know what to do they the jobs are scarce people are closing down their businesses and uh and they don't seem to have any options as to how am I going to make money? What am I going to do? How am I going to survive? You know, I got to look for a different job or look for help somehow. And that's a very, very normal anxiety. It's normal to the situation at hand. Now, assuming that they find a job or the situation passes, I expect that anxiety to quell or that anxious energy to be shifted into if I do find a job, I want to do well at my work. So I might use some of that anxiety to make sure that I'm doing well, that I don't pass up any options or chances, and that I take care of what I need to take care of. So that can be good um, in that sense. It's a driving anxiety um, because it lets us and helps us to get to a place of safety or to improve for ourselves. This is the kind of anxiety I would say that if we were to look in, in the Bible and say, where does Christ talk about anxiety or where, where does this come up? I always refer to Matthew in this case. Matthew chapter 6 verse 25. Let me read that for you. It's important to hear the words um, because this is where Christ really shows us that he understands us as human beings. It might sound as an admonishment when we first hear it, but let's read it and let's analyze what what Christ is really telling us. What is Christ thinking in terms of our human nature? So if we look at this, it's titled Don't Be Anxious in My Bible, and it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life? So I'll stop right there, but we get the idea. A few different things. So it might sound like an admonishment, like Christ is saying, don't be anxious. Why are you anxious? Like, don't don't you trust in God? And there's a little bit of that exactly in, in that reading. But if we look at it from the perspective of Christ, what he's really saying is, one, he's revealing to us that he really understands our nature. You know, he understands what we're anxious about. If you notice what he lists there, it's very common things that we're all anxious about. I got to have a job, I got to have an income, I got to take care of my family, I got to get food on the table. These are very common things. God is not not aware, so a double negative there. But God is aware of what it is that we're worried about. He understands what's going to cause his anxiety. The reason he's telling us not to worry here is because we need to place our trust in God. This is a very big leap of faith when we're in the midst of this type of anxiety. When we're in the midst of this type of everyday stress or worry, I got to put my faith in God. How do I do that? We're going to talk about that at the end, about different ways that we put our faith in God and how that medication, uh, shall we say, spiritual medication, is going to affect us. But for now, we, it's important to realize that Christ is aware that we do get anxious. There is, it's not like we're anxious and God does not know. We we need to make that distinction. We need to get that belief and that faith in our mind that God is aware that I'm anxious. So. As a parent, if I know that my child is anxious, what is it that I do? I want to take care of them. I already know what they're worried about. Sometimes we know, we know our kids so well, we know what they're going to worry about before they even worry about it. And we can look ahead and we can start taking care of that. This is the kind of faith that Christ is asking us to have here. You know, psychiatrically speaking, from the mind, he's asking us to shift it and to say, to, to realize and to, to tell ourselves, if God is my parent and he's my loving father, He's already looking ahead to what I need. He already knows what I'm going to need. I have to somehow shift my faith. That can be hard. It's not It's not a simple thing because we're used to what we see before us. But what we really need to do is, I wouldn't call it blind faith. We would have to have real faith because we know that God is all-powerful. We know that God is all-loving, and we know that that love is directed towards us. So when we start to feel that anxiety, uh, typical anxieties that I hear about, uh, at, at work are right now people worried about work actually being, be, feeling that they're not being treated well at the jobs that they do have uh, feeling that their bosses aren't treating them well or worried about like I had said before losing jobs um, people are also worried about their identities and what, what's going on in society right now and what that means about them uh, they worry about being nice people or being nice to other people uh, there's so many different things that we're worried about that Christ is telling us to kind of take a step back with that put our faith in God right now and see what's going to see what God can do let God really lead our lives when we come back we're going to see how some of this can actually turn into a chronic anxiety or something that needs to be treated medically and then we'll see how we take care of that in the clinic
2: This is Jesse Romero from the Terry and Jesse Show, also from Jesus911. Let's face it, we all need to use the internet, but we need screen accountability. Why? Pornography is a huge Problem, especially on the internet. And every time we tap into the internet, we get bombarded with images and temptations that degrade our humanity. So we need Covenant Eyes to block these pornographic sites and advertisements from infiltrating our lives. Covenant Eyes helps us take custody of our eyes and custody of our intellect. So I recommend you go to covenanteyes.com and type in the promo code, the NPR, to support the network. Protect yourself and your family from the eminent threats on the internet. www.covenanteyes.com Code VMPR Live Porn Free Thank you for listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you. God bless you. Keep the faith.
0: Join VMPR live on YouTube September 12, 2020, for our latest free conference, The Ultimate Challenge. This exclusive virtual event will feature a brand new talk from Jesse Romero How Apologetics Brought Me Back to Faith, plus never before broadcast video presentations from Dr. Scott Hahn, Father Mitch Paqua, and the late, great Father Benedict Groeschel. Go to VMPR.org to register now. And get ready to face the ultimate challenge.
3: This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871. Because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877 543 Three eight seven one. Thank you so much for your support.
1: All right. <clears throat> All right, Virgin Most Powerful Family. Welcome back to the clinic. Today we're talking about anxiety and fear and we're talking about worry. So we spent the first part of the show just talking about worried and gen- being having general worries. Very common for all of us. This is not if we're if we're experiencing that it's perfectly normal. Nothing really to to be too concerned with. We know when it's the time when 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 something's happening in our lives that's going to cause us anxiety. Whether it be that I want I'm worried about my family, I want what's best for my family. I'm worried about my job, I'm worried about different things. We looked at the Bible, and we looked at Matthew chapter 6, and where Christ really tells us to try to think the way God is thinking for us, and that God is going to take care of us. That should bring some relief. That should bring us some some peace of mind, uh, knowing that. What happens, though, when we start having different worries, different anxieties, and we don't seem to be able to reach that peace of mind? Very, very common, um, and I had mentioned some numbers before. I'm going to repeat some numbers, but I I like to... um, take our time with this one a little bit, because I'm going to go through a few different things people might be experiencing, a few different diagnoses, uh, because it's very common for people to feel insecure, and if we're experiencing this, to really ask ourselves what's wrong with it, what's wrong with us, because now we're going to talk about what we call clinical anxiety. And with clinical anxieties, people are very much aware of what they're experiencing. They're aware of their anxieties, but they're also aware that they might not be rational or reasonable, And so they're afraid of really uh, sharing this with people or talking to people about it. So let's look at this. So what do we call clinical anxiety? Clinical anxiety is usually more internal. So before we talked about worries, about things that were external to us, things that might be outside of our control, things that we might have to just kind of take a step back and realize, what's in my control, what's not in my control? When we experience clinical anxiety, we use the term anxiety, which is really an umbrella term for different types of anxieties. But we use that term when all of a sudden this anxiety is coming from within us and we're not exactly sure how to control it. So let's look at this. So just in terms of the general term anxiety, I had mentioned that it affects about 40 million adults of the population, which is about 18% of the adult population. Um, But only about 37% of people get treatment. And again, I, I had mentioned this could be because people might feel ashamed, this could be because people might not even be aware of what's going on. This could be because people are aware of what's going on. And they don't want to discuss it, or it might not be culturally appropriate for them. There's a myriad of reasons why people don't get treatment. But let's talk about different ones and see if this resonates with anybody. Um, and, and we can kind of get an idea as to, well, what kind of, where, where am I? And do I have an anxiety that might need treatment or not? So let's look at the first one. The first one would be generalized anxiety disorder. And just like the name says, what is generalized anxiety disorder? Usually, what people will experience if they're having this type of anxiety is a little bit more along the lines of "I'm just worried, and I don't know why. I'm worried something bad's going to happen. I'm worried that um, I'm not sure that I'm going to do the right thing. I'm worried that I'm going to that something terrible. That I'm going to get fired today. I'm worried that people don't like me. I'm worried there could be a myriad of things that people are worried about, and The irony of it all is if there's a moment usually where the person feels a little bit of peace and the anxiety is gone and they're no longer worried, they actually worry about that because the brain is used to feeling anxiety and all of a sudden if I feel calm and if I feel at peace, I'm wondering, well, what's wrong? Something must be wrong because I don't feel this way. So generalized anxiety, it just kind of puts us in a spin cycle. Some people say anxiety, you know, it's an, an analysis paralysis of the mind. Um, where people start to analyze things, worry about things. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? And can't seem to get calm or, or, or relax about it. General, generalized anxiety usually affects women two times, as, two times as likely to affect women than men. So twice as many women will have this compared to men. But it happens to to both, women and men. And it usually affects about 3.1% of the population. If you notice this, if you notice that you can never relax or just enjoy a, a moment... Uh, of being on a trip or something because all of a sudden you think about going on a trip and you automatically think something's going to go wrong. I'm going to forget something. We're going to get stuck somewhere. We're going to get lost and the trip hasn't even started. You might wonder is this a generalized anxiety? Am I always reacting this way to things in life? That's one type of clinical anxiety that people can experience. There's another type called panic disorder. Now with panic disorder It's a very interesting type of anxiety because usually it happens in moments. It's not necessarily happening all the time. With a panic disorder, what usually happens is the person will have a moment and in this moment, this wave of anxiety just overtakes them. It's not that they're constantly anxious or anything along those lines, although it could be because these could blend. But if you're gonna have a panic attack or you have a panic disorder, usually what will happen is there will be a discrete moment where you feel so anxious that your body physiologically is changing as well. And what I mean by that is, you're gonna start having heart palpitations, you're gonna have tremors, you're gonna have sweats, you're gonna be feeling afraid, you're gonna to get to the point where you feel like you might actually be dying, like you're worried about dying. And this is very, very common to see. Somebody get to the emergency department because they're having chest pain, they're having sweats, they're having tremors, they're having nausea, they wanna vomit. All these things are happening, and they literally, in that moment, believe that they're going to die. They get to the emergency department. The doctors want to run all the tests, and, of course, they check an EKG. They do a cardiogram. They do whatever it is that they need to do to make sure that the person's okay, that the heart's protected. They check the laboratory work, and usually all of that comes back negative. It all comes back normal. They tell the person, no, you're you're technically fine. And at that point, this person experiencing the panic attack might be skeptical and say, "No, trust me. I feel like I'm going to die here," and that's true. That's exactly kind of that not kind of that's exactly what they're feeling. But they don't necessarily believe that there's something not wrong with them. Physiologically, everything's fine. The heart's fine. The body's fine. But this wave of anxiety takes over, and it actually changes the body in that moment. This is very true, and it can be very scary. One of the ways that you can tell that you've actually had a panic attack. Because a lot of people will come and say, oh doctor, I know I, I just had a panic attack and you know, I had a panic attack. So there's moments of anxiety. There's moments where we can find where we're anxious and we get anxious and then that passes. That's not necessarily a panic attack. One telltale sign that somebody had a panic attack is that they are f- so fearful of ever having it again. They say that's the last thing I ever want to experience again. I don't ever want to even go near that because I literally felt like I was gonna die. And it's just a terrible feeling and nothing seems to make it better. Now. A panic attack might last anywhere between five to 15 minutes, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little bit less. But that time when the person's having a panic attack, to them it's an eternity. They feel like it's never going to end, and that can be one of the scariest feelings. That's why they never ever want to experience that again. It can be very traumatic. Now, again, usually it's women are more times, light, more likely, twice as likely than men to have panic attacks, and it affects about 2.7 percent of the population. These are things that, again, we can treat with medication, both the generalized anxiety and the panic attack. So it's something that, if you are experiencing something like that, you might want to talk to your primary care doctor or a therapist or a psychiatrist. Another one that another condition or another diagnosis that falls under the umbrella of anxiety is social anxiety disorder. Now this is equal among men and women, and it affects about 6.8 percent of the population of the adult population. This one is social anxiety. It can actually start in adolescence, um, and it's more where people go out and they don't like to be in crowds. They don't want to be at a party. They don't want to talk to people. Just that scene makes them anxious. Um, They don't really know how to socialize. People can feel very insecure. They walk into a situation like that, a cocktail party, a family reunion, a get-together, and automatically they feel like everybody's watching them. There's something wrong with them. They're going to embarrass themselves. They're going to not know what to say. They're going to walk away from a conversation. They just know that they said the wrong thing, and people are talking about them. And it really breeds a sense of insecurity. Does not like to be out in, in the social environment. Um, so this can be very, very common, and we see that a lot. Um, and again, medical treatment will help to kind of ease some of that and allow the person to experience a little bit more normalcy and going out in, in public. Then there's something like OCD. So we call it OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. This type of anxiety, just like the name says, you're gonna have obsessions and you're gonna have compulsions. And so what does that mean? Sometimes people say, oh, I think I'm OCD because I did this or I did that. But in order to really have obsessive compulsive disorder, in order to be diagnosed with OCD, you normally have obsessions. So obsessions are thoughts, thoughts that don't go away, just recurring thoughts that come to you and that actually make you worry. Compulsions are actions that we take as a result of those thoughts. So if I'm having OCD, so somebody who, a very common one, and that we see it sometimes in the movies, or we might know people this way, uh, who or who have this, is sometimes people are afraid of germs. And the idea is that they're washing their hands all the time. But why are they washing their hands? What does that do for them? Does that get rid of the germs? Mm-hmm. Usually what it'll do is it'll get rid of whatever they feel is going to be a consequence of the germs. So the the obsessive thought is everything's dirty. That's what's running through my mind. Everything's dirty, everything's dirty, everything's dirty. So I better go wash my hands. But if you delve a little bit deeper in the conversation, what you realize is, well, we all worry about hygiene. We want to make sure that we have our hands clean. We want to make sure that, you know, especially if we touch and we're going to touch food or we're outside playing or gardening or something. Well, we know our hands are dirty. We know that there's germs, so we wash our hands. What happens to the person with OCD? they might have the thought that there's germs out there and they know that these germs are going to kill them. And they get to that to that level where they say, I was gardening or there's dirt, I can't, I can't touch anything because if I have that germ on me, I might die. And then they're going to go wash their hands, but they might have to do a ritual. They might have to wash their hands three times or they might have to wash their hands until it just feels right. And so these things can happen. Sometimes people will need to wash their hands for germs. Sometimes people will start to worry that, They left the stove on and they come back and check because what happens if I leave the stove on, my house is going to catch fire and I'm sure that the house is going to burn down and I know this is going to happen. So they will leave the house, drive to work, and then all of a sudden they almost get to work and they drive all the way back to the house to make sure that the stove is off. And then they're going to go to work and they might have to drive back again because it depends until it feels right, until the ritual is done, how many times do I have to check the stove or opening and locking a, a door? I have to make sure that I lock the door correctly because otherwise somebody's going to break in and take everything. So obsessive compulsive disorder, you know, somebody has to maybe check the lock three times before before it feels right and then it's locked. This can be very debilitating for some people. It might make it so that they lose their jobs or they lose relationships because in the process of trying to get all these things done so that they feel better, there's still life happening and they're not really paying attention to that. They, they could easily, you know, get to work late all the time or not have their reports in on time or whatever uh, it is that they are finding it to be a detriment to their life because this obsessive compulsive disorder is very, very powerful. It was very powerful. Now this one can be equal uh, among men and women and it can affect about one percent of the adult population. And then there's another one that's very, very important. It's called PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. Usually it's more common in women can affect about 3.7% of the population. This one's very, very important to talk about because it it can affect, uh, it affects us for for different reasons. One of the first ways that we found out about PTSD was usually soldiers coming back from war. So we said, you know, these soldiers, they're experiencing trauma, They're, they're there, they're seeing moments of life or death, whether their life was in danger, whether their friend's life was in danger. These moments can happen to us in war, they can happen to us in life. When we come back, we're gonna talk about how If we are exposed to these moments, where we're exposed to moments of actual death, that can actually lead us to fear. And fear, we want to make sure does not creep in spiritually. More about that when we come back.
3: Help the Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of and volunteers is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased. The work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. You can call us at 877-762-8857. To learn more, please visit our website, ww.helpthehelpless.org. God bless you. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round. May God bless you and your family. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support.
1: Welcome back, Virgin Most Powerful Radio family. Welcome back to the clinic. Today we're talking about stress, anxiety, fear. These are important topics, they're heavy topics to talk about. Um, usually I like to keep things light in my clinic when patients come in and help them feel at ease. Um, but it is important to discuss what's going on in our hearts, what's going on that can very easily uh, make us not feel like ourselves, make it, put us in a situation where we're afraid, where we don't where we don't find ourselves anymore and where we th- really think where we don't find God anymore. Because that's one of the things that can happen with anxiety. So we just left off talking about PTSD and this is an important topic to transition with because with PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, what happens is we're exposed to something that actually caused us fear. As a result of that, we are constantly gonna be experiencing a few symptoms. So this can happen to soldiers who go to war, uh, and they can and it can be different for different people you could have two soldiers in the exact same front line and they saw the exact same things and they come back and one of them ends up with PTSD and the other one doesn't and why is that why is it that somebody experiences fear the other person doesn't it could be genetics it could be the, our our makeup it could be what we were thinking at the moment what was going on in our lives at the moment when we experienced this so a lot of different things can cause this or take effect Uh, or cause us to have this fear or these symptoms. When we experience PTSD though, usually what will happen is we end up being hypervigilant, which means that the person who experiences this can never be at ease. Usually they're always looking over their shoulders. They're worried about something bad happening. They're worried about dying because they were exposed to a moment of potential death. This type of uh, situation also causes a person to say, if you're going to go into a restaurant or somewhere public, usually they're going to pick a chair in the corner where they're with the walls to their back so they can scan the room and they want to be able to be at ease they want to be able to almost to be in as much control of their environment as possible they might like to sit next to exits they might like to uh or they'll they'll avoid going to wherever this was that they might have experienced this fear Um, and i use the wartime example because that's very common But this can happen to somebody who survived say a vehicle accident or somebody who um, witnessed a murder unfortunately or was in a very traumatic situation where they could have been killed this can happen a lot i've had a few patients who uh, worry because they've been to uh, different gatherings and whatnot and things can get violent sometimes if they're uh, you know marching for rights or doing different things they'll start to experience these things and and um, or if you feel like somebody's coming to invade your home and you got to protect yourself All these moments of great intensity can cause PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. And the person, like I said, becomes vigilant, is always worried, always kind of has a sense that death might be around the corner. And that's a very, very hard way to live. Again, for all the conditions that I mentioned before that fall under the the umbrella of what we call anxiety, so psychiatrically speaking, I mentioned a few of the general ones, generalized anxiety. uh, We have social anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorders, PTSD. If you feel like you're experiencing any of any of this, remember you're not alone. This is anxiety is the most common uh, symptom, the most common condition that uh, we we see in the psychiatric world. It's the most common one in all the United States. If you are experiencing something like this, I would say talk to your doctor, talk to your psychiatrist, because you can get relief, you know, whether it be that you might need therapy sessions so you can process what you're thinking and talk this through, or there might be medications that might help you so that you might feel more at ease and allow the the physiological system not to react and not have panic attacks, or ideally, sometimes you need a combination of both. Sometimes it's good to have a combination of medications and therapy. But why do I worry about the PTSD? Why did I say that was a good transition before into fear? Because once we experience something like death, or really, or perceive death, or what we really think was going to uh, cause us to end our to end our life, um, we might end up with fear, and fear is a whole another situation. Fears are we? It's something external. So in the in in the beginning, we talked about just general worries or general concerns, general anxieties that we normally call societal anxieties, uh, and that's something external to us. And then we ask ourselves, what's in our control? What's not in our control? When we look at anxiety as a diagnosis, as a clinical diagnosis, that's something internal. That's something that's happening inside of us that we're not able to control as much, and so sometimes that's why we turn to medication or therapy. what happens with fear? Fear is a whole other uh, situation where we do have perceived death before us, much like PTSD, but if we stay in a state of fear, Then we have a situation where if we're going to look at ourselves as spiritual creatures as well as biological creatures as well as uh, creatures with a mind, all of a sudden fear can play on the mind and it can play on our bodies and can make us really put ourselves in a a different place mentally uh, where we actually might get to a point where we're not healthy spiritually. So to give an example just in terms of what fear can do, imagine that you go out to the movies and it's late at night and you catch a really late show and say you caught the 10 o'clock show and you come out and it's midnight because it was a two-hour movie but you went to go see a comedy well if you went to go see a comedy and you come out and it's dark you might be aware of your surroundings and you're going to get to your car and you want to be safe but you're not going to really be heightened you're not going to be on alert you might be uh, laughing or you might remember something funny from the movie and you might have a really good feeling about that imagine that you went to go see a horror show instead and you went to the late show and it's 10 o'clock and it's midnight Well, what might have been a funny shadow if you would have gone to the comedy, all of a sudden we're in the same environment, but our mind's not in the same place. If I went to go see a a really scary movie that might have impacted me, uh, I might come out of that theater and all of a sudden every shadow is a source of danger or a source of fear. Why is that? Because we have this mindset now. We've exposed the mind to something that could be scary, and as we're walking around our environment, all of a sudden... The, our, our mindset is to really be cautious and to really be afraid of everything and to really be cautious of, of, of what's around us. And somebody coming up to say hi or somebody coming up to ask for directions might, put us, might really be off-putting and might make us scared and, and want to run. So that's something important to consider with fear because now if you notice with fear, we might perceive things that aren't there. The situation might not call for uh, us being scared of the shadows that are there because it might be something very benign, but yet our mind is already primed. To believe the worst and to believe that we're going to die even though it's not really happening and so this is very very important if we look at this from a from a spiritual perspective what happens if we look at the Bible there's lots and lots of verses that where Christ tells us do not fear and we find this in the in in the Gospels of course but we also find that in the Old Testament there's plenty of verses where if you go in the Bible, if you go to a, a compendium, if you look it up, there's, you're going to see so many things that tell us not to fear. But And how do we do that? We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. How do we possibly get to the point of not, not fearing? So we realize, okay, we don't, we're we not supposed to fear. Let's look at some of the, the very pertinent, some of the important passages, passages in the gospel where it tells us not to fear. One of my favorites is actually during the Annunciation. If we look at the Gospel of Luke, and if we look at just chapter 1, verse 30, that's where the angel tells Mary, do not fear. So the angel appears to Mary, and let's read that passage really quickly. Because I think it's important. It's important to hear the words so that we understand uh, what the situation is. So the angel appears to Mary, and he says, hail, full of grace. But at that moment, he says, "The Lord." He says, hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. I'm reading uh, Luke chapter 1, and I'm starting from verse uh, 28. And it says, but she was greatly troubled but she was greatly troubled at the saying and considering in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So automatically we already know if he's telling her do not be afraid, we know that being in the presence of the angels, being in the presence of God, that might cause us some fear. Now, why fear? Because we we see something otherworldly and we're not sure how this is going to affect our life. But he tells us not to fear. And there's another Bible passage that I think is very, very pertinent. Where we see fear. And this is where Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, Do not be afraid. So if we look at uh, Matthew chapter fourteen, this is where Jesus is walking on water and he tells Peter to not be afraid. At this moment, the apostles are the apostles are on the boat and there's the storms in the seas, and, and all of a sudden Jesus is walking towards them. And what's the first thing that happens? They look out and they see this figure. And they say this must be a ghost this is scary we are afraid and so at that point peter answered to him because jesus says to him take heart it is i have no fear when they said who's there and peter says lord if it is you bid me to come to you on the water so what starts to happen what happens to us when we start to fear because initially peter says okay this is you lord have me come out to you on the water." not a problem. So Jesus says, come. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, Jesus, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he said to him, oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Let's look back a little bit at that. Let's analyze that a little bit, because this is where fear starts to set in. How do I know I'm afraid? When I'm afraid, I've lost sight of what's before me. I've lost sight, and technically, I've lost my faith, right? Because all of a sudden, we have Jesus there in front of Peter. Peter has strong faith initially and says, Lord, if this is you, there's nothing you can't do. Tell me to come out to you. I'll walk, I'll walk over to you. And he says, come. Initially, Peter's faith is good, and he gets, He walks out on the water. He starts to follow Jesus. He doesn't have anxiety. He starts to follow Jesus, Until, until he loses sight of Jesus because something else distracted him. Something else took him away from Christ and made him realize that he was potentially in a moment of death and he started to sink and he became afraid. But you notice something. When Christ reaches down to reach for him and takes him out of the water, we get back to him focusing on Christ because now Christ is holding his hand. Christ equates fear with doubt. Christ says, why did you doubt? He didn't tell him, don't be afraid. He said, why did you doubt? So there's plenty of times where Christ says, don't be afraid. But in this case with Peter, Peter started to sink because he started to doubt. If we look at the passage before, from earlier in Luke, where the angel appears to Mary, she was troubled by what was happening. And the angel said, do not be afraid. But the difference here is that there was, Mary didn't have doubt. Mary was so humble and so focused on God all the time that even when the angel appeared to her, there was no doubt. This is important to think about, and we're gonna talk a little bit more about this, about what happens to fear and how we combat fear, anxieties, worries. Where in the Bible can we find that medicine other than the medicine we get in clinic? More when we come back.
3: Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother?
0: Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app for him. I went on vacation, and I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle, and he says to me, Hey, man, I've been listening to the Terry and Jesse show, and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple times a week. He goes to the Mass in the morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's an on-fire Catholic, and he promotes the Terry and Jesse show on the Virgin Most Powerful Radio.
3: Daniel, what a testimony, and I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you.
0: You're welcome. Jesus said in Matthew 26, Stay awake and pray that you may not enter into temptation. According to St. Ephraim, Jesus, who feared nothing, experienced fear and asked to be freed from death, although he knew it was impossible. How much more must we persevere in prayer before temptation assails us?
3: This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life 877-543-3871 because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support.
1: All right. Welcome back to the show. As always, I always want to remind everybody, you know, if you're enjoying our show, if you uh, uh, enjoy the Virgin Most Powerful Radio, which is, I think, a great way to discuss our faith, You know, you're so inclined to please donate, to please help us uh, keep this mission going. I think it's a wonderful way to get the word out about our faith, our faith in Christ, our faith in Christ, whether it be um, through physical health, through mental health, through spiritual health. It's all happening at the same time. Um, and we can't ignore that. So I know that it's easy to compartmentalize and say, oh, I have this pain in my back, and oh, maybe I'm not thinking clearly, or oh, I feel like I need to uh, do something more spiritually, but it's all happening together. We're men, we're physical, spiritual, and, and mental creatures all at the same time. So I hope that you enjoy these shows. I hope that you find it in your heart to donate, and always let us know as well. Feel free to let us know if there's any topics that you feel might be pertinent or important to to talk about. Today, we're talking about fear, anxiety, worries, and really how to combat them. You know, what is it that we're going to do? How, if we are experiencing this, what, what can we do to make it, to make it better? And and what's going to bring us peace of mind? Because ultimately that's what we're looking for. How do I, what's the opposite of us having anxiety is going to be peace. You notice that when Christ appeared to his apostles after he rose from the dead, the first thing he would tell them is peace to you. So this is a very important topic. And the idea of peace is a topic for a different day. But today let's look at how can we, get to the point where if we are experiencing fear, anxiety or anything, any of these uh, uh, feelings of these emotions, how can we best combat them? How do we, how do we start to feel better? So we were talking a little bit about in terms of where we're experiencing fear, where it's no longer anxiety, it's no longer worries. We got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We got to keep our eyes on God because once we start to doubt, then that's when we start to sink in the water. That's really what happens when we start to lose our faith, when we start to, to doubt, when we start to give in to the fear, that's when we start to sink in the water. And that's where Christ is always going to be there, just like he was for Peter to take us out. We have to call out to him. And Christ is always telling us, if we're looking through the Bible, you know, we have to be humble like our lady. And when we're, when we're before something that's, that's beyond us, keep our sights on God and listen to God's word telling us not to fear. Now, it's interesting because we do need to focus on one thing. If we we start to doubt God, then that's when we start to turn to different things in our lives, where we start to feel that, you know, gosh, I'm walking on this water, but the wind is pulling, and and it's getting a little bit uh, shaky out here, and I'm not sure that Christ is really going to save me. That's that's really the doubt. I'm not sure that I can continue to walk. Even though Christ asked me to walk, what am I going to do? Because all of a sudden, it's windy. I start to doubt. Maybe Christ didn't know. Maybe, you know, what he said wasn't true. We start to doubt. We start to sink. Well, this is where, for the most part, when you look in the Bible, if you look up different passages on fear, most of them are going to say, do not fear, fear not. There shouldn't be any fear. But there is one important passage that Christ tells us, and this is where he actually tells us to be afraid. And let's read this passage. This passage is right here. It's Matthew, um, Matthew uh, chapter 10, uh, and we're looking at verse 28. So Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, this is where Christ says, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. This is the only passage where Christ actually says something that I have found, there might be others, but that I have found where Christ actually says to be afraid of something. Fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. This is what happens when we start to doubt, when we start to feel afraid, This is where Christ is saying, that's that's what you should be afraid of. Turn away from that and keep your faith in me. Don't doubt. Be more afraid of falling into that than of coming to follow me. This is very important because when we start to give into our anxieties, when we start to give into our fears, this is where we can go down the wrong path. And this is where I've seen a lot of people, especially in the deliverance ministry um, or even in clinics, different uh, patients that I've seen, different people I've spoken to, one of the things that happens is we start to doubt god we start to fear that i don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow i kind of want an answer so we start to doubt that god is going to take care of it because that would assume that we leave something carefree and that we say no i'm not going to worry i'm going to put it in god's hands but we want to control things right so that's why a lot of times we say what's in my control what's not in my control our nature is to want to control things so sometimes if we feel that God isn't taking care of things. You know, I'm walking on water, but uh, it's getting kind of windy. I don't know that God's going to take care of this. I might turn to something like my horoscope and say, well, this is going to tell me what to do. This is going to give me an answer. I might turn to a psychic and go and ask them, well, I kind of want an answer because I want to know. This is where we start losing our faith in God. Faith in God means that I know that God can take care of me. I know he's going to take care of me. And i'm going to have to just kind of wait and see how god takes care of me that's really the answer to when we're having fear when we're anxious about things that are out of our control not so much anxiety that's why i wanted to make that distinction between psychiatric diagnoses of anxiety that we can actually go get treatment for that's something internal that the mind is not helping us out and medication will bring us relief and will bring us peace versus When we start to have these thoughts in our mind, when we start to have fears, when we start to imagine things that aren't even there, what is it that we're going to do? Are we going to go turn to the tarot cards? Are we going to go turn into magic spells? Are we going to go turn to all these other things that promise us answers? Or are we going to have the faith that God has the answers for us? And that's really what it comes down to. When my patients or people who come in and ask me for any kind of counsel, when they are under when they're experiencing a lot of fear, when it's not something that's treated with medication, but they're internally in turmoil, we have to do a couple of things. So the two things are to be still and to be silent. And we see this in the, in, in the Bible all the time. Now, a lot of people confuse being still and being silent with doing nothing and being quiet, which is actually quite the opposite. There's a very, very subtle nuance here. So I can go sit somewhere and just be quiet but that's different than being still and being silent. Being still and being silent are actually activities. The body's not moving, but something is moving. Remember, we are more than just physical creatures. Just because my body's not moving doesn't mean that my mind is not active and it doesn't mean that my soul is not active. So I can be, I, if I'm quiet and I'm, and I'm just not moving, yeah, then maybe the whole system shut down. Maybe the mind's just shut down, the, the soul shut down, the body shut down, but if I'm still, And if i'm silent all of a sudden what i'm doing is i'm putting myself in the presence of god my body's not moving but my mind is very active my soul is very active in the presence of god let's read some of these uh uh, readings in the bible because i think that they can bring a lot of peace to people especially if they're feeling turmoil so again if you think that you're experiencing anxiety that's just not going away that's plaguing the mind Go ahead and, and talk to your doctor, talk to a psychiatrist, talk to uh, somebody who can, might prescribe you medication or give you some kind of therapy to help the mind be at ease with that. But if we're really experiencing fear and we're starting to get to the point where we're feeling like we're doubting God, let's read some of these passages. I think some of these are very powerful and I think that they can actually bring us a sense of peace. So one of them that I really like is it comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 46, verse 10, and it says, be still and know that I am God. I will exalt I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in the earth so be still and know that I am God again notice that he doesn't say just be still and don't do anything it's an activity being still is now putting the mind in the presence of God be still just be turn off the television don't talk to anybody be in the room maybe physically we're looking at an image of Christ or a holy card or something along those lines. So we're being still, but how do we know that I am God? Because that's what I'm gonna focus on. I'm gonna focus on my holy image. I'm gonna focus on uh words of the gospel. I could read a, a Bible passage. I don't have to have an image before me. I could read a Bible passage and, and sit still with that. My body's still, but my mind is actively going over this bible passage because i'm reminding myself that god is in charge that it's god who's going to take care of things for me. He's asking me to actually not even do anything physically. He's asking me to connect with him mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And this is where god acts. This is where we allow ourselves to god to, uh, we allow god to to work in our lives when we are allow ourselves to be in his presence. So the more we let the world go, the more he will work in our presence, the more he will be with us. So it's, there's a few other passages that are going to be important when it comes to that. So another one is from the book of Exodus, chapter 14, verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Let's read that again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. So in other words, if I'm just still, which we said it means not just not moving, be still and know that I am God. And if you do that, I'm going to fight for you. If you allow yourself to just be in my presence and focus on me mentally, know that I am God, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to take care of you. That's a big leap of faith. This is something where, you know, this is where Peter wasn't still, even though physically he was walking towards Christ. Sure, we can say, you know, he was physically active. But Christ needed him to have a stillness about him, even while he was walking. Be still and just focus on me. Don't worry about the wind that's blowing. Focus on me because I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to fight for you when you put yourself in my presence. There's another one that's really good. It's Psalms chapter 37, verse seven. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way over the man who carries out evil devices. Now, this is not to say that people around us are evil necessarily, but notice that this one really speaks to us because it says be still and don't worry about what anybody else is doing. You wait patiently because God knows you individually. God's going to take care of you. Stop. Be still. It's easy at that moment to be distracted. The wind came to Peter. He was distracted. It's easy for us. Our wind might be that, how come that guy got a promotion? Or how come that person has more money? Or how come that person still has a job? That could be part of our distraction. But this is the challenge. The challenge is be still, worry about nothing else, and let God fight for you. So Here's another one, so I said be still and be silent. Now remember, being still and being silent are still very active things. So Psalm 62, verse five, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. My hope is from him, I have to wait in silence. What does it mean to be in silence? It doesn't necessarily mean to be quiet. Silence is when we allow that space for God to work in us. So being still, I can focus on God, be silent, allow God to work in us. This is how we're going to combat our fears. This is how we're going to combat our anxieties. I hope this was a good show. I hope that it helped to kind of help differentiate between fears and anxieties and worries, and really to help us understand that there's different medication, uh, whether it be that you go to your doctor or that we stay in stillness and silence before our Lord. And until the next show, I wish everybody great mental health. Until the next clinic.
4: Saint Faustina's Prayer for Priests. O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us.
1: Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.